NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Welcome, viewers, to Designing for Connection and Community in the Online Writing Classroom. This is another collab in NWP's Back to School Pandemic Edition series, and today we want to take up the twin problems that teachers work on at really at the start of any school year, how teachers make connections with students and how they form a productive classroom community. And creating that community is really central to the writing classroom. That phrase, a community of writers, really describes what we are trying to do. But how do we do that in the context of online teaching? So we're doing our regular thing that we've been doing in the series of collabs, which is to bring together K-12 folks who are trying to think through this problem for their teaching this year and put them in a conversation with more experienced online teachers many of them from higher ed, where online, remote, and distance learning has been a part of their job for a while. First, I want to introduce you to Matt Johnson. Matt, give us a wave. Matt is a Michigan teacher and is author of Flash Feedback, Responding to Student Writing Better and Faster Without Burning Out. It's published by Corwin. Matt has been writing on his own blog and has just published a blog at Right Now, actually taking up these questions and reasoning them through. And we have now two folks who have a lot of experience with this question. We're joined by Kim Jackson. Kim is the director of the Northern California Writing Project, teaches composition and literacy work at Chico State, also works with pre-service English teachers. And Anna Smith, Anna is Assistant Professor of Education at Illinois State and co-author of Developing Writers, Teaching and Learning in the Digital Age, and Participant in Many Things for NWP. So welcome all of you. So glad to have you here. So here's our plan. We're going to start with you, Matt. We've been reading your stuff. You've been writing on your personal blog, the Rewrite blog, and of course also posted to Write Now, and raise these questions. So you've been thinking about them this summer anyway, and really raising the questions about how to create a community online. And we kind of nailed exactly what we've been hearing from a lot of people facing online teaching for the first time. So let's start with you. Would you talk about what you've been thinking about this summer and kind of set the scope of the problem for us? Yeah, of course. Uh, and thank you so much for having me on too. This is a, a great delight. So in the beginning of the summer, uh, I sort of came to this conclusion. Uh, once everything wrapped up last school year, I was like, wow, you know, that was really hard. And then I'm like, but that happened in the spring, six months into me having these classes. I've been with those students for six months. We already had a strong community. We already had strong connections. I knew about them. Uh, I knew how to support them. I'd seen them in person. Uh, and, 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 I, and even still, when we suddenly went online, and for us, it was overnight. It was just we were there one day, and then we weren't the next. It was really hard to keep the community together. It, it was really hard to keep my connections with the kids and, and to have keep the kids connected to each other. And in the early summer, I was sitting there thinking, like, that was hard. But in the fall, when you know, we start again, and I've never met these kids before and never seen them in person, potentially, which is, in fact, how it's going to be because we're starting remotely. Uh, or if I had a mask on and I was six feet apart, uh, building that community and those connections uh, would be 
is so much harder and 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 you know figuring out how to support them and engage them on, on mediums that aren't really as set up for that uh and that's so critical uh most of my classes are writing focused and well, all my classes are writing focused even though even the literature ones there's an awful lot of writing going on and and having that community and those connections and having a space where the students can be vulnerable and take risks and having their you know that they want to you know read my my feedback because they know me and that they can kind of hear me in it uh that's so critical so the and that's something that i learned from the writing project itself uh, with a shout out to the oregon writing project linda christensen who i did that with i mean that was really where i learned that that like building this community and having these connections is essential if you want to you know have a strong writing classroom so that's what my blog has been about all summer i sort of took a detour from the idea of just kind of looking more directly at writing pedagogy and then started just thinking about how do you build connection how do you support students from a distance how do you build community how do you get them talking to each other how do you have a discussion uh, and it's been really fun it, it's been the response has been pretty amazing and overwhelming actually similar to the writing project it's just i've just gotten to talk to and think with and hear from so many amazing educators from across the country and the world and it's just been a delight so that's that's kind of what the blog has been up to and matt have you started school yet have you met your uh, students this year we were supposed to have started uh, started this week, but they bumped it back a week so we could learn all of our new online learning platforms. I am desperate to, to, to get started, though. I, I, I'm so heartbroken that we haven't started yet because I just, you know, waiting for it, it's kind of, I, I, I've been a longtime surfer and it's like you see this wave coming at you and you're just like, just do it, right? Like, let's just get this thing going as opposed to the anticipation. So we haven't started yet. Uh, days okay so we have you in like the last bit of time before you meet them to kind of share a whole bunch of ideas kim i'm thinking you've been at this a while uh and you can probably remember the moment that matt was at, at you know a couple of years ago but you've developed some processes and you've written a lot about them so let's let's start with you okay it's uh Matt, it's hard, man, the struggle's real. <laughs> and, and this isn't exactly the same, right? It, it isn't when often when my students have been online before they've chosen to, to be on, in online classes and not everybody's chosen that this time. So it's already a little bit different and a little bit um, harder to, to think about trust and building community when you're already scared, when everybody's kind of scared and afraid of how it's gonna go, um, probably more than excited. Right? Like usually they're excited and now I think there's a lot of fear. So um, I, I work really hard to talk to the students across all kinds of courses around this idea of noticing and how hard it actually is to learn to notice interesting thinking. I think Anna and I have the advantage of working with future teachers and so that's a part of a practice that they would want to develop anyway is noticing interesting thinking and kids work um, and how do you do that and so i spend a lot of time in the first week in particular i'm in week two of our teaching so before the semester started i've already sent out a survey to get to know them and that survey started with a question that said how are you that's it how are you um, just so they could use writing in this form to kind of talk through that. And then I asked them things like, how would you like me to communicate with you? Because I'm not as interested in my teaching being efficient. I'm more interested in what works for the learner. And so do you prefer a text? Would you like to put me on remind? Would you like me to send an announcement, an email, video? I asked those questions to start the practice of you have agency over your learning here 
and, and we're going to build community that way while you having some agency. Um, I know how crucial it is, and Matt, I know you know this because I've read enough of your blogs. I know how crucial it is to give feedback like immediately. And by immediately, I mean in those first few days when students were posting their introductions to our current community, which is the new G plus, um, if I almost responded within moments, like I was watching those come through my email stream and responding within an hour to their introductions, finding links I thought they might feel interesting based on their reading practices or, you know, immediately engaging. And the other thing I ask of them is if we say this over and over again is read one, respond to one. And, um, and that's our mantra in all my classes, read one, respond to one. And I say sentences like, just talk to another human, period. Like, everyone wants to feel seen and heard, everyone. And we will build community in this class so much faster if you just comment on each other's things by like, oh my gosh, I'm from that town too. Or I also played soccer for 10 years or whatever the thing is they have in common. It only takes a few times of that happening where they they love that and they want to do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like rows of them talking to each other because they're in this dialogue. So those are a few things, some surveys to get started, immediate, immediate feedback, and then them, you know, talking to each other. And then we start doing a very writing project thing um, where I'm asking them to notice golden lines in each other's writing, so favorite sentences or in their own. And I usually email those out or post them on our website. Or when I'm giving a video update, I give a shout out to a few students and, and talk about their questions or their golden lines so that they're immediately hearing their names and seeing themselves seen and heard. And then the last thing I'll say about that is a more formal way that I do that practice is something called the review board. I invite in an online class three or four students each week to not be the people who are doing the writing, but the people who are reading the writing. And so they read their colleagues work and they amplify and highlight interesting ideas from our class. And I do that a couple of ways. Some semesters, they just send me like, hey, I wanna, I wanna give a shout out to Matt and Anna this week and the writing that they did. And this is why I think it was great. And we post those on our site. Other times I have them write a more formal blog where they not only highlight the work of their peers, but they also explain to a public what we've been thinking about in our class. So they're in charge of curation, curating the interesting ideas that came out of our class that week writing about the reading. So I, we call it just like, what if someone wasn't in our class and they want to know what we were doing? And they write a blog saying, this is what we read, this is what we thought about, this is what we talked about. And here's a couple of my peers writing that was really good. And those go out as a blog. So they rotate that responsibility. They usually only have to do it once, maybe twice in the semester. And um, I think of all the practices I do, I teach a jumbo class with 100 writers where I really use that practice. And I think of all the things that one is the thing that I hear students say I want to be I want to get noticed how do I write a thing that gets noticed um, and they're so kind to each other right they'll say oh they got noticed last week we need to look at a different one like they're really good about that so those are some of the ways that I try to have a recursive process around noticing each other their interesting thinking and Kim the in that situation do you meet with the review boards? Do they work autonomously? Do you 
transferred over the course of the semester? How do you do that? That's great. In a in a face to face, uh, they meet with me uh, for an like half hour or so outside of class. I, what I've been doing is, of course, just holding like a Zoom session uh, with a few of them to to meet and just talk. It takes ten or fifteen minutes for us to just um, check in for me to answer any questions about what they're up to. Once we have some examples, at least from the class, once a couple of those have gone out, those meetings get shorter and shorter because they've read the other ones. They, they know what to do. So yeah, I just meet. And remember, we're trading for, um, like we're honoring that they're not necessarily doing the writing that week, that their labor of that week is to, to be careful readers of each other's texts. So I think I get some buy-in from that too. Like, oh, this will be cool. I'll read everybody's stuff. It's It strikes me too as the, in some ways, the way you described it, there's so much advice that says, you know, go slow at the beginning to get the system set up and help people understand them. And then it's going to speed up. You are going to get there, but invest in the building of the structures, the community structures and the way we work at the beginning. Seems like there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. At the of your class. And, and I think to give each other some grace over one of the things I know probably, and I will say the same thing. One of the things about teaching fully online is the startup to that is a little slower. So where I might have that feel like that's happening within week three or something of a face-to-face -face class, hmm, four or five is more, you know, it's, and especially now, I think especially now it's even, even more grace and kindness about how to trust that it's going to be okay once everybody gets in the routines, but the routines may take longer, particularly for our students in say middle school, high school and college who are juggling so many classes and ways of working that startup and those routines are going to yeah, yeah. And whose families, of course, also are juggling all kinds of routines and it's three changing. Three different so. schools, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, I think the piece around that you said around noticing, Anna, one of the things that you worked with us with NWP on really was as a leader in CL MOOC and the CL MOOC team spent a lot of time noticing and celebrating. So that probably much resonates with you, but I'm thinking, how would you respond to some of the issues that Matt raised? Well, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this as well, um, because although the courses that I, I, I too have my courses online and I, I'm not in a, a K-12 classroom right now. Um, and a lot of my students are more familiar with taking a class that is mediated, you know, completely online and <laughs> not a face-to-face. Not -face. But at the same time, like we were just talking about, it's really been impressed upon me about how different this year is in all those many ways like we were just talking about it's not insignificant that we have now been doing this stressful life um, for months now for half of a year and uh, and that makes everything heavier um, and harder even the even the joyful things you know connecting with students um, those things it, it it's still hard our, our attentions, our attention is divided, our, um, we're, we're tired, we're exhausted. And, and so I was, I was feeling like, oh, no one has ever done this before, <laughs> right? Like nothing has happened at this scale, nothing, you know. And then I, and I, I paused, I caught myself and I said, oh, no, actually, 
there ha we can learn from things that have been going on before. There are some really amazing projects that have been going on for a long time, like the, like the CL MOOC, like we were just talking about, where we have learned some things about how people learn at incredible different distances and learn in these peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer relationships um, and really form real meaningful relationships having never met face-to-face. -face. There's a number of projects. So, so I was thinking about those and what I could use from, from those, those and then what others could use from those examples. So for instance, a colleague and friend of mine, Amy Storniolo, has a group called, or a site called Write for Change. And on this site, there are, um, I don't know exactly which countries, but there are multiple, multiple sites and classrooms from across the world that are participants in Write for, Ch Write for Change. And what has been, what stood out to me, and I, I don't know what they would say, but what has stood out to me in terms of how those young people from, from all walks of life, all, right, all languages, all different, you know, countries, settings, um, how they, how did they start to feel like they are members of Right for Change, right? How are they starting to see themselves as as one, as a group. And what I've been seeing, what I think is really interesting that they do is they, they start out with these themes, the, these um, prompts that are very simple, like just a word, right? Like what does change mean to you? And then students can respond in whatever medium mode that they want to. There's pictures, there's written parts, there's videos, right? There's all these different ways of responding. And they come up and they pop up right into this feed that they can all see this varied ways that they are all thinking across this one thing. It got me thinking about um, when I was teaching middle school, we, we had a creative, an advanced creative writing class because it was very popular <laughs> creative writing. People wanted to do it again, so we made it up. And so we did this literary journal, but creating the literary journal in this one semester class wasn't enough stuff. So we ended up doing these newsletters and they were one word themes. Um, and then this editorial team got to, to choose, you know, what's the one, we rotated the roles, kind of like this, I, I love this, I was connecting with the review board idea. Um, and then students could create lots of different things, art, photograph, and then a lot of writing, a lot of poems. <laughs> and, and then we put that out about once, once a month. And it re really was a connecting point across the whole school, the middle school, because kids would be buzzing about whether they had theirs in the, in the newsletter. And it was, so, it was frequent enough. So it just got me thinking about what we already know about how connecting it is to create things, not these like, two or three week units where there's one piece of writing that comes at the end. The only person who reads it is the teacher, right? And you do, the, you do three rev revisions of this one thing. But these rapid makes where we make something um, and then we, we share it. The end, right? <laughs> the end, not, not, get you know, not get notes, not get revisions. So how could that play a role in what we do? Um, I'm not saying take over everything else we do, but how could that potentially be, be a connecting point, a way for people to start to build relationships through the things that they write, through the things that they make? Um, and, and similarly with the connected learning online community that we had with teachers, we were really finding that that connection was when teachers was, were starting to remake each other's work and remix each other's work and add on and build too. So it got me thinking about 
what if a classroom had, you could create something, but you could also submit it to be remade. So I create, you know, I write a poem, but I put it in, you know, a certain folder and then others that, that whatever's in that folder, other people can use that as their source to start creating something else or to build from. Uh, and that, again, making and playing and experimenting. Uh, Sharice McBride, uh, she's a, a doctoral student at Berkeley. She's almost, she's almost done. She's been finding how important that is for play and experimentation to really feel connected to other people, to yourself, to feel humanized. You know, when we're not face-to-face, -face, we can't feel the, the physical connection, um, that that connection can be done through, um, through that kind of work. So those are some of the ideas that, that I've been thinking of learning from what we know. So I, I love a couple, I love so many things in this whole conversation. Uh, always remembering that we can learn the most from putting ourselves in the position of the learner and, and starting to think through not just how do we teach, but in what way do people learn? That that's another place to start the conversation. Uh, it feels to me like between the two, you even said it, Anna, you said, you know, reminds me of the review board that there's this combination of a lot of, you talked about a lot of quick makes, a lot of quick things sprinkled in there as well uh, with other things, but then also this larger structure, whether it's the newsletter, a lit magazine, the review boards that put the young people, the students or our colleagues, if it's with adults, in a leadership role of curating and creating knowledge as well. So it's not just teacher to student, it's visibly in the structure, all of us together, noticing all of us together there seem to be some really interesting synergies between them. Um, Matt, what, what do you hear from this that strikes you? Uh, you know, uh, I mean, this is awesome. This is great. <laughs> I'm so glad that I got this now and not next week. Um, but uh, no, I mean, what, what's fun is uh, there's actually, a, you know, a lot, a lot of things that, that Kim and Anna are talking about are very similar to the kinds of things, you know, I've been thinking about. Uh, like, I, I love this idea of rapid makes. Uh, combined with the notion of like immediate feedback, right? Because that's I, something I, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I wrote a whole book on feedback. It's like, you know, the way you, feedback is the most effective when it comes quick and regular. And the only way you do that, if, it, if your only feedback is, you know, these big long units and it's this thing at the end, you're only going to give it like once a month, right? If and that's if you're like grading papers all night, every night so with 160 students like I have. And so like the idea that like, you can have students like take a concept, make something, and then give them really quick feedback on it all within one block is totally doable, right? And if you can string those together, you sort of get this, this whole narrative of feedback where students are constantly feeling like you're watching and you're paying attention and you're giving them suggestions. I often think about like a basketball coach. It's like, you would never think of like a basketball coach. You'd be like, I watched your game. I'll get back to you in a month, right? It's like, no, they're doing these little things in practice. They watch layup drills. They're focused on something. And then, you know, they kind of do this quick thing or a quick, you know, passing drill. And then they give them feedback on it. And then, yeah, they do get feedback on the game too. But, you know, they also have that. So I love that idea of like rapid makes and like, you know, like I, that's a really cool way to think about that. I haven't fully thought about it like that. Um, uh, and also like the, the surveys, like I, I'm planning on having students do a letter, uh, but I might add like a, 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 you know, a kind of, a, and I was thinking about a survey. So I think I'm definitely going to do a survey with that, uh, you know, and they're both the same idea, which is just making this thing a two-way street where it's like, how are you? Like what, one of the questions I was going to ask is just like, what is your learning environment like 
just tell me about it, you know, because it's going to, that's going to be really important. Uh, and, you know, for me, it's going to be, tra you know, trading off with my wife, who's also home uh, between uh, down the, uh, you know, like upstairs and downstairs and, oh, our baby's up. Like, I'm going to go outside and sit on the lawn. Like, I mean, that's, you know, and I'll be honest with my kids, like, that's my environment. And so hearing that from them is really cool. And I also really like this idea of, kind of finding deeper ways for them to interact. I've been thinking a lot about how community, like we can, you know, especially if you're a veteran teacher, you can kind of walk around the class, you know, at the beginning, at the end of class, you can check in, you can get all these moments that help to sort of build community. You can kind of sit there at the center and ask kids questions. Uh, there's a teacher named Matt Kay out of Philadelphia who wrote a, a wonderful book called Not Light But Fire. And, and he talks about that, See how he just starts every class with five minutes. He's just asking kids questions and going back and forth and giving them what he calls high grade compliments. And it's going to be harder to do that on Zoom, right? But you can get them in the small groups and you can have them do that with each other. Uh, and so there's a, another writing project uh, leader named Troy Hicks up the road from me in Central Michigan, the Chippewa uh, River Writing Project. And he's talking about like having different types of groups, like quick groups, but then also established groups. They're together the entire semester to do the heavy lifting of things like you know, peer review, uh, which can be really scary for high school kids uh, to do with each other, but they can be together and really get to know each other and then dig into each other's work and, and do all of this great stuff. So, you know, I think this has been both wonderfully illuminating and, you know, also, you know, kind of validating of where I'm going. So, you know. Let's, uh, let's all come on, go off mute uh, and have a conversation. I, some of what, uh, too, Matt, when you were talking, made me think also a point that we could bring up uh, there's feedback in the sense of what I notice you're doing and let's help make that better. The mm -hmm. kind of thing you might want to do on the way to larger projects or something like that. And then there's sort of response. Um, I see it. I got this. It was funny. And it's not really oriented necessarily toward you doing it again or making it better. It's one of the things I think, Anna, that you brought up. Not everything has to be revised into the final product. There can be lots of playful exploration and that that's okay in a way. Yeah, I really like, uh, Anna, the rapid make idea is a really smart way to think of it. Um, also, because it kind of honors that it can be messy when you, right, too, that it, it's not going to be through college, you're just throwing an idea there to the community to take up. And I'll, I think the idea of even working with a similar theme or idea um, can create community, right? If we're all riffing off a similar yeah. whatever. Um, even Matt's point of where, where, what your space looks like that you're working in can be a thing everyone's riff, shoot, you could draw it, you know, like rapid make, draw your space, draw your, what you wish your space. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rapid Make is awesome. I put like five stars next to that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, something that, that's related that I actually want to try at some point um, that I think that for these groups, like you said, the groups where I, I'm going to put myself and be vulnerable to you. So I'm going to give you something that I want to make better. And I want to, and I know you're going to give me feedback and some of it's going to be um, you know, what you didn't get, what you didn't hear, what wasn't in this thing that I invested in, right? So that kind of a relationship, um, yeah, like you said, it takes some trust, it takes some, some time. And I think creating something together uh, as a first step before we get to the, the feedback relationship um, is a great way in. And I've been thinking about doing 
a like they make they do these uh like movie in an hour where they give people like a some props and uh i don't know like a storyline a brief storyline and they have to create the the movie you know and then everybody watches it have you have you seen those before I, or they have to like write a short story or whatever the thing is um and so i've been thinking about something like that uh doing something like that as well so getting a group together and giving them some task so instead of going into a group and then saying talk to each other introduce yourselves to each other which i did with my students so this this so if any of y'all are watching <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I'm going to redo this. <laughs> One of these weeks we're going to. So I've been thinking about what could I have them create together uh, in, in, you know, in 20, 30 minutes and that they get to come back and share to the whole group. It might be kind of, again, fun and, and, and start to build that relationship of, of trust because I've created something with you alongside you. Um, it, you know, I think just think that that helps uh bridge the awkwardness that sometimes can be when you get put into a breakout room with people you don't know and you go hi who's and then tell us? Right? anybody <laughs> let alone that we should be adolescents on right. <laughs> right. It, it makes I, me I, want to remind the viewers of an earlier um session that was with cindy urbanski and steve fulton two great writing project folk from north carolina who have a book making middle school so I would remind everybody, go listen to their NWP radio program. They talked a lot about just getting together on Zoom and making in the context of it, even if we're actually making, we're making something by hand and we're going to hold it up to the camera, mm -hmm. that it doesn't have to be here are the directions, go away and make. Uh, and in their case, they were, they were working with middle school students. And that thing that happens when you're making, you're chatting. And you sort of hear and learn because we talk while we make in a way that we would never just speak, things that we would never just say in response to a question. So uh, they talked a lot about that. But Matt, I think you were about to jump yeah, in. No, I mean, I, I think that this notion of creation together and play together and silly conversation here and there together is going to be super important. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been thinking about that a lot, how like you know, that's a normal part of school. And if we, if it's just kind of go in here, the directions go off and zoom, do your thing, you know, uh, you know, and it's all just business, business, business. Uh, and that's, I mean, the business is important. We, we got to get to that, but like, you know, for like peer review, like maybe that's week five or six and maybe they've created a lot of lovely things and had some fun and, and kind of got to play with some puzzles and had a little bit of time to maybe just chat and be kids too. Um, I've been thinking a lot about kind of like purposefully building in places for them to do that. So I think that that's, a, you know, those are really good ideas. This has reminded me of another idea that has been a riff off of a riff off of a riff. <laughs> but um, I've started to do something called studio hours. And I can't remember exactly where I first heard this. It might have been with Mahabali. Um, it's kind of an off branch of uh, what we did with the connected learning MOOC where we had, we did a make with me. Make hour. with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where, where we could just get on. So what I've been doing with my classes um, these last couple of years is right around midterm, I will have a couple of studio hours. And I think of it as kind of like, I tell them it's kind of like an art studio where people have their areas, but it's kind of an open design, right? So there might be somebody sculpting, somebody painting over here, somebody over here. And so you don't have to come, <laughs> you don't have to whatever, but you could come and you could ask questions and we could look at what you're, what you're working on and we can talk that through. It's just open, you know, studio hours. And that has turned out to be 
really great where we both get to, you know, work together. Um, and, you know, cause it's just a few people at a time, they come in and they come out. Uh, but what's been awesome is to see, and it's Matt Hall who talks about, um, I think it's ambient learning, I think is what he called it. Um, when we're in writing workshops together and we're all writing um, or creating multimedia uh, in, a, in a writing lab and a student is having a conference, a rapid conference with a teacher and what the students around them are picking up from that conversation yeah. and overhearing that conversation or, or joining in for that conversation and then pulling back out to their own writing is really a powerful aspect of a writing class is the ambient learning that happens around and in between when we're writing side by side. Um, so, you know, uh, overhearing somebody say to somebody else, hey, look at this, what do you think, right? So, um, so I was thinking that the studio hour or some kind of structure, again, thinking back to the structures that allow for people to overhear other people troubleshoot, people to overhear people think through what they want to do, how they want to talk about this. Um, and again, not in the, the, to allow for the informal, allow for the, for the serendipitous to really happen would be something that, that I think is important. I think, Kim, you want to jump in, but I just want to make sure that people get the Make With Me reference. Um, if you didn't, viewers, if you weren't part of CL MOOC, it was a drop-in opportunity. There was like mm -hmm. a weekly, a bi-weekly, every two weeks challenge. Uh, but you could drop in and somebody would just do the challenge, make the thing, and you could make along with them or you could just watch them and have that kind of chatter. Mm -hmm. uh, so just to clarify that, I love the ambient learning. I think that's what Cindy and Steve were talking about, everybody just having that kind of experience. But Kim, go. Yeah, Anna was just reminding, I mean, Anna Tagi reminded me of, of that and that I had totally stolen that idea. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that's been more successful has been, um, I, don't, I don't use Zoom and I very often in the teaching even now and I don't teach synchronously, it's all asynchronous. Um, but, but what I do offer is the thing Anna said, which is a drop-in um, writing retreat, virtual writing retreat, because oh, nice. that's how I work with my colleagues is mm -hmm. I jump on Zoom, I got a Google Doc open, we make a plan, we do some writing and we stay actually on the screen in case someone has a question or someone's, but we're kind of working together. So I've offered that up as a structure in a number of my classes. And I think that's been, it's where I've learned side conversation things from them, or if they have a problem, is I just two hours, one day a week, or you know every few weeks and say, hey, you got a paper coming up, wanna just drop in and we'll do a check-in, answer questions, go do some writing, come back and get some feedback. And I think if we, think about the ways we use online to build communities in our professional lives, that some of those will translate mm -hmm. to, to teaching instead of, instead of trying to do stuff that looks like school, you know, stuff that actually looks like the way we use it in the world. So Kim, you brought it, by mentioning you don't, uh, you don't have synchronous, you're only um, asynchronous. Yeah. And we know one, that you can only endure so many hours on Zoom we know Zoom also places, as we're all on Zoom, everyone, yes, at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, we also know that it puts tremendous pressure on bandwidth and device capability, which is 
inequitably distributed. And we know young people, there are young people that have neither really um, quality internet access, quality devices, et cetera. So the asynchronous piece, we have been talking a lot as if it, it is a synchronous we're talking about, but that's a really good point. I wonder if, um, uh, if any of you also want to jump in on the, it doesn't have to be synchronous. It can happen in other ways. Yeah. Most all of my online classes are asynchronous. Yeah. Too. I think Anna and I both do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, people forget that, um, like Anna was saying earlier, like we are really, I'm close to a lot of people on Twitter who I have never met before and, you know, still weigh in all the time. Mahabali. How Kim and I know each other. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like that's how, you know, in real, in real life. So, you know, we can learn from the ways it, and it is a, a, almost back to noticing again. It's, it's, um, it doesn't have to be at the same time. It could be, you know, putting something out there, like Anna said, that someone else remixes, which is a lot of, of how we function. I also just want to, you know, for those of us who are in really rural areas, this synchronous thing is really not an option. Like, we ha- we do have to problem solve the asynchronous ways to honor the families that there's no way six people are getting on the internet in the middle of weed California. You know, like it's. It's too hard. So yeah, I appreciate you at least highlighting that. Yeah. So Matt, it, it, it is sometimes there's a different kind of pressure in K-12 that people feel that is put upon them, let's say, yeah. and therefore they feel about seat time and what are they doing and that sort of thing. How is the blend of um, online synchronous, asynchronous, high flex, et cetera, how is it being presented to you all in your district? So we are most of the vast majority of the time synchronous. There is a, on Wednesday, there's some conference time built in, but it's mostly synchronous. Uh, and this actually brings like one of my big worries about this whole thing is I just having absorbed a lot of PD where it's just somebody sitting and talking at you at Zoom for, you know, 90 minutes. It's, I'm very worried that a lot of teachers are going to feel like that's kind of what they're supposed to do, you know, whereas maybe in normal classes, they kind of have a few minutes and then the kids get down to the, the real stuff that you learn from the reading and the writing when they're doing it, not just, you know, because we say something doesn't mean that they, they know it. And so, I mean, for my classes, like they're live, they're synchronous uh, most of the time, but most of what we're going to do is going to be asynchronous. Uh, you know, it's like going to be like, I have every week, like, okay, this is a 50 minute writing block, you know, and what I'm going to do is I'm simply just going to leave my chat bar up and me up there. I'm going to say, you can feel free to mute it, but if you have any question, come find me. So it's like that kid raising their hand or using the chat bar uh, or if they're, you know, their internet's not working and they're not there that day, they can, you know, and but they have a little bit of signal from like a phone, they can, you know, work on their Google doc and then, you know, send it to me. And maybe we could use like an audio thing. Like, you know, I, I use a, a audio plugin called Moat, which plugs in with Google uh, Classroom and I could like, you know, send them a little walkie talkie thing back to them. Uh, you know, and, and so that's how most of my class is going to look. In fact, more so than normal. I try and have most of the time with them be, you know, have them read and write normally. But even more so, like I can now take those five minutes where I was going to talk about how awesome dashes can be. And I can just make a screencast of that, that they can watch, yep. watch a whole bunch. And then I can use that time to talk to students and continue to build that connection and community or facilitate them talking to each other. Uh, so that's going to be 90% of my time is me just talking to students or them talking to each other. 
now. Um, for the same concerns, though, I am also very concerned about the, the divide between synchronous and asynchronous and, and who's going to get to do that. I mean, our district's trying. They're sending out school buses with hotspots and things, but I mean, kids are going to be missed, right? And I don't want them to be any of the kids in my class. So One thing that, that we found important that where what we're trying to stress, and we, we have both cities and rural areas that we're working with here as well, is that early on, the state started using the word remote learning, which at first I was like, oh, that's just another way to say, <laughs> you know, but I, but I started to really grab that term, actually, and say, we need to not think of this as online learning. This is not, or online instruction. This is learning at a distance from me. And so how can I design something like you were talking about, Matt, where you, I, I'm giving you an experience. You're going to learn through that experience. And then I'm going to, like you said, set up some kind of a structure so that you can get this feedback back and forth for me. But, you know, we're designing a, an experience for, for young people and they're doing the learning, right? And so how can we design a, a learning experience for someone to learn at a distance and it that means that that i think that that helps people stop thinking that i have to do an hour set you know 50 45 minutes whatever the hour block is that where you are 35 minute you know then the bell rings you know what are we doing <laughs> but i don't have to do this everyone's on for that whole time piece but i could think across a week right and so yes because my district is requiring me to be online <laughs> during this hour with these students I could be available in this way like but I love the way you're thinking about using the, that time that you're required to be on um, almost subvertive you know to subvert what what the expectations might be because we know that no one can sustain that kind of attention in this kind of modality we we've we know that <laughs> as adults we we steer clear of it as much as possible and i think the last thing that i'll just just kind of pop in here with too to think about is when we start talking about digital divides we often talk about the haves have nots and that quickly and and that this is something i'm really learning from dr tisha lewis ellison that 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 really is throwing it's another way to do a deficit framing around our students and our students' lives. And uh, she does work with black families, particularly black fathers and the, and the, the learning relationships with, with um, young people and the, their technology use. And she talks about how these, there's these rich learning lives and media lives, even when the family does not have a strong broadband connection or the, right? But within family, young people are learning all the time without us. Um, and young people and families are learn have learning environments, even if they don't look like the prescribed <laughs> separate learning space, <laughs> right, that, that becomes this kind of like whitewashed way of saying, here's how to be in this world. And so uh, I think that really that's a way for us to keep pushing ourselves when we, we think about all oh, these kids don't have it, so they can't participate in XYZ, but rather like you were talking about, at least, um, really learning what are you what do you do how do you write how does your family write how does your family learn together use technologies and that's a different framing of that question that I think um, some people are asking like do you have a computer do you have your separate learning space do you have which is which is imposing a particular way of learning when there's already one at play with that family it's, um, a, it's so, a good yeah. reminder too because there are you know, the, the internet is filled with 
uh, learning and interest inventories. Mm -hmm. And some of them might spark wonderful things to ask, and some of them may not because they might be informed by those deficit models. And so, you know, in our desperation, <laughs> we might be feeling to get some resources that are going to work in some of these new situations. It's still really important to have that kind of critical lens uh, on the ideas that we take. Mm -hmm. But I think we're at that point, we're kind of uh, coming to a close here. And what I'm going to say is if each one of you would sort of name something that you took from this conversation that you think you can use that you might want to build some thinking or action around and can go in any direction. I, I can start because it kind of uh, dovetails off what Anna was just talking about, which is, you know, I really, I, I also wrote down and started like five times Kim's notion of like just starting out a survey with like, how are you, right? You know, the, the, these big questions like, you know, how are you? Like, what, what does your space look like, you know, right now? You know, tell me how this learning is. You know, and, and just the, the you know, the, that, you know, keeps it where it's just, you just allow them to sort of say what they need to say. You're giving them the space to, to tell you what they need to tell you. And, and so I really like that, that, that notion right there. And, and, and also, and this is a, another shout out to, to Linda Christensen and the Oregon Writing Project, but she always has her students do all these memoir poems at the beginning mm -hmm. of the year for the, the same reason. She's like, they tell you what you need to know. Uh, and once you get into that poetic structure, all the sort of normal restrictions come off and they just go for it. So that, that notion of how are you, I think is going to be a, a big one of mine. I like that, 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 that phrasing of that. I think it's important. That's great. And I'm going to leave just even thinking a lot more about what you just said, which is a, a thing I believe at my core, right? Is that, and yet I don't think I always articulate it in the way that you do in terms of honoring uh, the learner in the, and you, they, they come, they, they bring rich literacies to our spaces that we should be grateful for. And usually what I, what any of us sometimes fear doing is that we'll get in the way of those rich literacies by the thing that we offer up, not looking the same, or, you know, my class is dipped in whiteness, man. <laughs> and so what are ways in which uh, I got to continue to honor other ways of knowing, other ways of making, other ways of reading and writing and all those things. So Anna, you're reminding me too, the way that I talk to other educators about digital things can be a deficit model and to be really careful about my language around that. So appreciate that last nod you made to that idea. Yeah, and I and I think that for me that that's that continual process of checking myself. So I have checked myself <laughs> several times in this conversation with, oh no, I am doing <laughs> the hour, you know, the couple of hours with my doc class, right? Or I'm doing, oh no, I'm doing that. Oh, I'm doing that. Even the things I'm saying. So I'm going back and checking a lot of the structures that 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 I am. And one of those um, is this idea. I love the the idea, Matt, you were talking about of uh, you know, the chat, the chat, either the chat bar, not the video, but like we're, we, yes, we're synchronous for this hour, but during this hour it's the, it's chat or it's a voicemail, right? Like it's these other ways that are lower bandwidth, lower bandwidth, um, mm -hmm. right? Lower bandwidth, lower, um, stakes in terms of, you know, being in front of a camera, <laughs> right? And, um, and other ways to, to break that up. So I'm definitely, um, thinking in that direction. Yeah. And I've been uh, really playing with this notion, listening to this conversation of how thinking about course design 
as design that's more like designing how the literary magazine gets out mm. by the end of the semester and who will lead what sections and how will the themes be determined and what goes where and how do we produce the thing, a production oriented model rather than a unit oriented model and how in fact probably you can cover what you need to in your units if you imagine that production uh, with young people as leaders. That seems like a really great way to think. I love that. Uh, because most of us, a lot of us write and produce and probably have never met our editors, uh, have never it, physically, in, you know, rarely that's the case. There's lots of online ways to do production with digital tools. It's kind of perfectly set up for that. So I'm yeah. playing with that idea that's from great. you all. That's great. This has been a great conversation. Um, I would want to remind all of our viewers that everybody here has also put a whole bunch of resources together. You're going to find them at the bottom of the page uh, on right now. We'll get them in the comments on YouTube when this is posted on YouTube. So there'll be books and blogs and articles aplenty for you to follow up. Please do, as well as some of the other collabs and resources. We may point you to some of those too that have a kind of resonance. So team, thank you so much for joining us. That was really a great conversation. And everybody hope your school year takes off and we learn a lot together this fall. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP Radio.